when I was younger, I didn't really understand the concept that I was illegal, mm. per se. So, you know, that there were certain things I couldn't do or limitations because of, you know, I didn't have a social security number. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. Can you imagine not feeling a sense of belonging in the community where you live and where you go to school and go to work? It's the story from millions of Americans right now because of their immigration status or lack thereof. And that's the story of Miguel Navarrete, who we talked to this week, talking about coming to America illegally from Mexico as a young child. wasn't his choice, but something he had to live with for a long time. And he explains what that was like and also the process of changing that reality in his life. He's a farm worker on a dairy farm in eastern Washington, and he also breaks a lot of stereotypes with the kind of work that he does not the kind of work that you would normally associate with a farm worker on a dairy farm, but he's got a great story. He's a fun guy to hang out with, and I know you'll enjoy getting to know Miguel Navarrete this week, hearing his story and what things are really like on a real Washington dairy farm right now. Thank you to our sponsors, Mana Insurance Group. You know, they're all about having a plan ahead of time. So, insurance doesn't, with them, doesn't just have to be about picking up the pieces. But it's about, you know, taking proactive steps to protect your financial future. So we appreciate their support for the podcast um, this season. Also, Dairy Farmers of Washington, inspiring the desire for local dairy. And wadairy.org is their website. They've got a virtual farm tour there that you really should check out. Um, so you can kind of see more of the things that we talk about quite often here on the podcast, at least when we talk with dairy farmers. Also, Washington Red Raspberries supporting the podcast. Uh, we appreciate them stepping up to help us share these stories of real farmers here in Washington State. And then also Williams helping power your clean energy future. They supported us uh, generously this season as well. Thank you to all of them and enjoy this week's conversation with Miguel Navarrete. Day. You're doing computer stuff, IT stuff all the time here yep. on the farm. Like, what yep. kind of stuff do you do? Um, so, basically, um, manage all the software uh, from Dairycom, which is our herd management software, Dairy Plan. We got the meter, sort gates, um, Easy Feed, uh, which is the feed management software. You know, we got the feed trucks, the mixers, all the devices in that. Um, um, the network, all the computers, the devices, um, even like security cameras. Yeah, got got to take care of that. Um, our entrance gate, security gate, um, our fuel system. Um, pretty much everything has a computer in it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the one you call. <laughs> it's a lot to keep track. Oh of. yeah, yeah. How do you remember all? Because I'm sure they're they all work a little bit differently. You yeah, know, yeah. They all have their process, their way, their different programs. So. I just have a log notebook I keep down yep. all the issues I have that day and I prioritize it so I know what I have to get done that day. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the biggest problem that you have to face? Like the internet going down? Um, I guess the biggest problem would be uh, like a software crash. Mm -hmm. You know, um, those are unexpected and they're usually like the toughest to, to resolve. Mm -hmm. It's not like you can just reboot the computer and you're back to normal. Something we have to call like um, support companies 
Yeah. And they have someone remote in, and if I can't solve it, and right. that's probably the worst. And those yeah. usually happen Saturday at 5 p.m., you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Just when you're running to yeah. go home and have a good time, and then you're stuck fixing a computer. Yeah. <laughs> But it's better than having to get the wrenches out and oh yeah, that's for sure. Fix like a machine. Yeah. <laughs> what do you need all of this IT, all this tech for on a dairy farm? Like, what? How does that fit? Because I think you know a lot of people think of dairy farming. It's like milking cows, feeding cows, harvesting crops. Like that's all stuff you do by hand or with tractors or. But more and more. It, there's a computer involved in just about everything on mm-hmm. a farm, right? Yep. What's the the benefit, I guess, of having all of this computerized stuff? What's the need for it? So the basic need is to make everything just a lot more efficient. Um, for example, on our DairyCom software, mm-hmm. um, we have these handheld devices where our, our workers, um, they're treating a calf or... They're diagnosing a disease. They're breeding cows. Um, any any health event of that sort, they enter it directly on their um, smartphones. They download that into our uh, herd management soft herd management software. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, before back in the day, we would have to write everything down like on a notebook or notepads, and you have a lot of errors, mistakes. Yeah, those get lost. So it just makes everything way more efficient. And then there's a lot of machines that like run in the background, like a manure separator or different things like oh, that. Yeah. That in the old days it was either on or off or whatever, but now you can control a lot more of it mm-hmm. via tech, right? Yep, yep. So it's kind of keeping all that stuff in check. Yeah, yeah, in check. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this farm has become a factory because you're saying there's still people there. It's helping the people be more efficient with yes. what they're doing. How did you get into IT? Um, so I got an interest in IT when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like 10th grade. Where'd you, t- where'd you go to high school? Uh, Pasco High. Yeah. Yep. So 10th grade, I took my first computer science class. Because mm-hmm. before that, I I didn't know computers. I so yeah. I took that. I was interested in that, and after that, I just, I just fell in love with it. Just anything to do with computers, software, technology. That I guess that's where I got my interest in. Yeah. yeah. So what did you do after high school? Um, after high school, I went to CBC. Okay. And I took uh, computer courses there. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, I actually got a bachelor's of cybersecurity from CBC. Nice. Went through the whole program, and yeah. Cybersecurity, that sounds pretty intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but as we're finding with everything happening in the world right now, it's more important oh, every yeah. day. Yes. I mean, that used to just sound kind of like something from a sci-fi movie back like when I was in high school. <laughs> but now it's like our day-to-day life, making yep. sure that our money is safe, our lives are safe, all these things. Cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. What's the key to it? I guess the key is just trying to stay stay one step ahead, because mm-hmm. you know there's there's malicious people out there. Their full time job, their goal is just to to find the vulnerabilities in software and just exploit them. Mm-hmm. So you just got to stay one step ahead. Make you have make sure you have everything patched up, updated, and I mean no, no system is fully one hundred percent secure. Yeah. Right, 
The only way to make something secure is to lock it up in a closet, <laughs> unplug the power, no internet. That's secure, but then it's useless, right? Yeah. So exactly. it's just trying to just stay ahead of them. Stay stay ahead of the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what so many people have been telling me too. I remember even in college, it's like, yeah, if you're if your computer is hooked up to the internet, like they can get to You're you. a target, yeah. Like, really? Ah, but I have, you know antivirus software uh, <laughs> that's not gonna help yeah. you. <laughs> which scared me and it still scares me because i don't know i mean it's, I'm, I'm not near smart enough to <laughs> do yeah. all the kinds of stuff <laughs> you do so did you but you didn't work in farming right out of college did you with that degree you were doing other things uh, so i actually started working here when i was 18 oh really yeah so as soon as i graduated from high school I started TBC, and uh, so my stepdad's actually the manager here. Okay. So he's the one that got me um, started here. Awesome. And I was doing the dairy comp stuff, just basics. I was working three hours a day. Just they were probably like, like hey, you're in school for right. IT. Like, yeah, help might as us well. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, ever since, just kind of, you know, over the years, just kind of grew into a full-time position here. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, probably... 10 15 years ago there wasn't enough work in it on oh, a farm no. but no. now with everything yeah. being controlled by something that's digital yeah then it has to be so what else do you do on the farm though you do you just do that stuff or uh, so i'm starting to do it uh, somewhere like bookkeeping mm-hmm. um in the afternoons yeah kind of want to transition into a new role as well expand my knowledge and learn um other areas of the business as well so i'm we're slowly working on that to just yeah. transition over to some of that do you get to help with the cows or out in the field at all um not very often not very um, often i guess the only time i would get dirty is like if like a feed truck you know the some just have to work on the load cells mm. check the wiring because right. that's what measures the weight right and you have to make sure it's accurate because you want to make sure you're feeding the right amount to the cows so the actual truck that brings the feed to the cows has scales yeah, in it, yeah, so yeah. you know how much. Yeah. There's six load cells, and, and that goes into an indicator, and that uh, translates the electric signal into weight. So that's that's how you know how much you're, you're feeding per pen, basically, wow. per cow. So It's crazy, because people talk, you know, we've talked on this podcast a lot about, like, making sure cows are fed right, and they have the right nutrients, and they're super healthy, and all of that. But that's what makes that happen, mm-hmm. because all of that those good ideas are for nothing if you don't know what's actually in the truck that you're yeah. bringing to the cows. So it all rests on that. Yep. And then when the it crashes or a wire gets pinched or something, oh yeah, <laughs> Miguel, you have trouble. Yeah. <laughs> So, is there farming in in your family's background? Like, have, did you grow up around mm. that? I mean, you said your stepdad was manager here and yeah, brought you on. Yeah, I mm, not a whole lot in my background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you didn't. What what uh, like when you were young? What were your parents doing, or what what kind of work did you grow up around? Um, so I grew up in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um. My mom was a, a secretary. Okay, yeah. And my stepdad was, um, he worked in finance. Okay. So, um, yeah, not really related to yeah. this, but. 
So it's like, in some ways, you're the first generation of your family that's really connected to farming. Oh, yeah. What part of Mexico did uh, you come from? Michoacán. Yeah. I grew up in Michoacán. Yeah. Awesome. I came here at the age of eight. What was that so, like? Oh, it was... I was just so young. I, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So you did know? your whole family come at the same time? Uh, not, in, not in the same, like the same month, but like mm-hmm. just in the same year, yeah. I would say, but... But it was just because when I was young, I would hear, oh, you know, the, the U.S., the U.S., you know, it's yeah. everybody wanted to come here. And um, I was so young, I didn't really fully understand. Um, but when I got here, it was just, you know, another world. It was. Yeah. Culture shock. Yeah. Culture shock. Yeah. How long did it take you? I guess you're young. So when you're young, you can get used to things yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. But, yeah. I, I guess it. the biggest thing was the language barrier. Just because yeah. I. I got thrown into, I think it was third grade, mm-hmm. and I mean I took ESL classes, right? But you know, outside of that, it was just because you don't understand anything, right? So <laughs> I could probably make you feel kind of isolated. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I know if you were to just drop me into Mexico right now, I I know about that much Spanish, you know, <laughs> enough to be dangerous and probably make a total fool of myself. But I would feel lost, you know, yeah. I wouldn't know what to say. So I can't imagine being in that position. And in some ways, maybe more scary as a kid. But when you're a kid, you can learn language better, too. Right? A lot of, yeah, a lot faster, too. Yeah. That's why I'm kind of screwed now, because I want to learn more Spanish. But <laughs> my I have an old brain now and doesn't learn it yeah. very fast. <laughs> I should have paid more attention when I was in school my spanish classes how did all that immigration stuff go how, how did you get to where you are now immigration wise mm-hmm. so w- when i was younger i didn't really understand the concept that i was illegal mm. per se so you know that there were certain things i couldn't do or limitations because because of you know i didn't have a social security number right and it was you know it was kind of hard to grasp that hard to grasp that and yeah. frustrating at times um, but then uh, uh, President Obama in 2012, he passed an executive order, um, uh, DACA. Um, I applied for that. I fulfilled all the requirements, and that gave me uh, a work permit and a Social Security number. So, so I'm working here legally under my name, and that has opened so many opportunities just being Having that sense that, that you know, you, you're, you're not that I matter, but that I'm, like I'm a real person in a way. Yeah. You don't have to use a fake name or hide in the shadows anymore. You can come out and be yourself, like, you know. And with that, I was actually able to purchase my first house mm. in 2019. I built up my credit and... I purchased my own house. Yeah, because if you're undocumented, how would you do that? Yeah, no, it's a lot harder. Yeah. It's a lot harder to do that. What What is it that you think people don't really understand about being in that position, being undocumented, but wanting to work and yeah. have status? And you described it as like living in the shadows. Mm-hmm. You think people get that? Not really. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's not like... We're undocumented by choice, right? Because a lot of people say, "Oh, just go apply for citizenship." I've seen a lot of comments like that, and mm-hmm. it's not that easy. You can't. It's not like you just go buy a cheeseburger, right? 
there's a whole process requirements yeah. you need and most of us most of us don't qualify for that and you know we came here for a better life yeah and we want to do good in this country we're not here to do any harm we just want to better ourselves and when you're undocumented it's hard to do that and it just it just makes you feel like you don't belong here mm-hmm. people don't realize how much it costs either mm-hmm. to become documented the regular way or whatever you yeah. want to call it that a lot of people say oh yeah just go do it like you said it's, mm-hmm. it's really expensive to do too oh, yeah. on top of being really complicated and nobody tells you what to do step by step i've experienced some of this because my i married a canadian my wife came from canada she wasn't undocumented but still just trying to do it the right way which we were trying to do we didn't have a lot of money so it was like can we afford this next step you know mm-hmm. it's so hard to do so i totally understand why there are a lot of people that can't do it with the system the way it is and i think the system right now is broken mm-hmm. i don't know what do you think needs to happen with immigration what what i feel needs to happen is we obviously need some kind of amnesty to legalize the you know 15 20 million that we have right now um because they're, they're good, hardworking people. They want to contribute to our society. Yep. And that would just help, really help everybody out. They're punishing um, everyone for one bad apple. Mm-hmm. Right? They stereotype everybody. They just look at the bad things. Yeah. They highlight those. But other good things, they just look away. What about the rest of your family? Have they been through all of that too? Or I mean, was, I'm sure it was difficult coming here in the first place with all of that Mm -hmm. was that scary yeah it was just well they they got here at an older age so Mm -hmm. like you said it's harder for them to transition over and just adapt to to everything um but yeah i I would say most of my other family members they in a way one way or another have uh, become uh, permanent residents so Mm -hmm. So m- most of them are are good now. But I'm sure that wasn't easy for them. Oh, no. Even though they oh, wanted yeah. to do and wanted to yeah. do it right. Yeah. There's always a price to pay. Yeah. yeah. And that's also where I get frustrated with people because I think they assume that, well, you know, people come here and they're undocumented and they just don't want to follow the rules. But those people who criticize like that haven't been... Like in my position and my wife coming here, we wanted to follow the rules and it was so hard to do. It was crazy. Like we finally did it, but it took years and it was challenging. I mean, even when we thought we had everything done, oh, you know, well, you got to file for this or you got to go to this and you have this appointment at some random place. It's <laughs> And nobody tells you that you're supposed to go. I mean, who's going to tell you to do it? We even hired a lawyer at one point because we were so confused we could barely afford it, but, and then it turned out that the lawyer didn't really even help us very much. Oh. But it's like, what's the next form that you're supposed to file? And what time do you file that at? And wh- where yeah. do you submit it? And it shouldn't be this hard to just follow the rules and mm-hmm. try to do it right. Yeah, the system is broken. What do you see as the future on that? Do you hear any good signs that that, might be getting better or mm. I know politically it's still such a difficult issue. Yeah, no, it's it's 
something that's not going to be solved overnight, obviously. Yeah. It's going to take a c- couple years, if then, to, to fix that. Yeah. So even with all of that pressure and knowing that they are facing all this difficulty, it was still worth it to your family to come here? I think so. Why? Why, why, why did they, you know, knowing that they were facing this challenge, why did they still want to do it? Just, just uh, I guess we just had hope. Yeah. Hope that um, we would have a better life here. Yeah. Because, you know, Me- Mexico's it's, well, where I'm from, it's, it's hard over there. Hard to find a good paying job. And then you have the, the drug cartels down there too. Yeah. It's really unsafe. So we just wanted somewhere where we can be safe. Yeah. Have a family, not have to worry yeah. about somebody trying to mess with that. Mm-hmm. Totally. What did it feel like when you finally got all your papers and that was all done and you didn't have to worry about it anymore? What did that feel like? Oh, it, it was it was a huge relief. Um, I even got to travel. Um, I, I applied for advanced parole. And I actually got to go to Mexico in 2016 to see my family. Oh, nice. Yeah, my dad's head of the family. So that was just, that was amazing. Just after not seeing them for so many years. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the other thing. If you're undocumented, you can't visit. There's none of that. Mm -hmm. Crazy. How many years had it been since you saw them? Um, So I was 16 years. 16 years that you hadn't seen your family over there. Mm-hmm. Crazy. What was that like to walk in the door and see them again? Well, I was just... Just got, got a shock down my spine. It was... Yeah. It was great. Awesome. How much family do you still have in Mexico? Uh, Quite a bit? Basically, my whole dad's side. Yeah. Yeah. And all his brothers and sisters, and then obviously all my cousins, so it's... Yeah. It's quite a lot, yeah. <laughs> Those two weeks weren't enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Are you going to go back anytime soon? Um, I would like, I'm hoping, Yeah. once this uh, corona yeah. just goes away and <laughs> get back to normal. Exactly. So every day it's just computers and tech, go, go, go. Yep. For you. What's it like working with... Uh, the employees on the farm, do they like the tech? You know, because a lot of people who have been around farms, farmers, farm workers, you know, those kind of people aren't really into tech usually. I know, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like even my dad isn't too bad, but a lot of people of his generation working on a farm, it's like, eh, just get it done the old way, yeah. right? <laughs> is that a challenge? Um, it, it is a challenge because, uh, you know, most of them are not very tech savvy mm-hmm. and just the language barrier because it's all of our software is in English and everything. So all that is right. a bit of a challenge, but little by little we, we start teaching them, you know, they start mm-hmm. understanding and um, once they really fully understand it, that they love it because it, yeah. ju- it makes their job easier. Yeah, they have so sure. much information uh, in the, in the palm of their hands. So that helps so much that you as the IT guy then are bilingual so you can help bridge oh, yeah. that gap and say, okay, this is what, what's yeah. really going on. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I had never thought of that. Because a lot of like consumer software, you can just tap something and switch the language. Mm-hmm. But probably on these more like proprietary, you know, mm-hmm. software 
pieces for on a farm, you probably can't switch it yeah. to Spanish. Yep, not everything. Mm-hmm. Some things you can. Though. Yeah, some things, yeah. That probably helps. Yeah. But then you have an English-speaking person go to use it, and then they get... Co- yeah. <laughs> How do you switch this thing back? Yeah, switch it back. <laughs> um, what about, you know, the some of the issues that, that uh, have been coming up around farming, d- different people's perception of farming? Talk about that. What do people misunderstand about how farming now works? Mm-hmm. I just feel in general, a lot of people just don't really understand where our food comes from. Mm. You know, I'm sure there's people out there that they think milk is just produced at a uh, Walmart. You know, <laughs> they just yeah. pick it up and just make it in, in the back in the back room. Yeah, there's a lot of people that you know. There's a, a whole process. That, that needs, yeah. that, that's required to get the food on the table. And I think um, there should be more awareness about that, just mm. where your food comes from and how it's how it gets there. Why do you think that is, or, or what is it that you think people really don't understand about their food? I don't know if it's just this generation that's... Because, you know, we got the social media and then all the... Um, just all the other stuff going on in the world that they don't focus on on the important stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have people outside of your job here say, oh, you know, dairy farming, that's bad. You know, I know dairy farming is criticized a lot because there have been some people out there that have said basically dairy is bad. You know, it's bad for the cows and these kinds of things. Do you ever mm-hmm. get that from... Um, I, I was hearing about the the methane gases. Mm. How it was uh, polluting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's part of what I've heard in person. But besides that, um, yeah, mm-hmm. not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, helps that it's a farming community. Oh yeah, yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Try to say this. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, people know about farming. Yeah, here a lot more, more than, than other places. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to Seattle and oh yeah, <laughs> very few people have seen like how a farm like this works. Mm-hmm. What about some of the, the labor stuff? I know you testified recently um, uh, before a committee in Olympia on overtime issues for farm workers. You're a farm worker. You work for a farm. Yes. What's your perspective on all of that? So they, they need to realize that every action they take like the the actual effect, because, like for example, for for the overtime, did did they ask any of the farm workers if they wanted to be paid overtime or mm-hmm. how that would affect them possibly? It's yeah. So how is it affecting workers? Yeah. So. So I know many places have cut the hours back, mm. no, no more than forty hours. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's a smaller paycheck, for um for all the workers and they have families to support they have bills to pay some of them even have mortgage payments and yeah that, that that's a huge blow to them i suppose some people might say well you know the farmers shouldn't be cutting their hours that's not fair but then other people are saying well this is a this change is a victory for the 40 hour work week but is that what workers want, mm-hmm. I guess, is the question. And that's what you're saying. Like, did they talk to those workers about that? Yeah. Do I mean, do workers want a 40-hour work week? 
I, I think what the worker wants is just the, the bigger paycheck. Yeah. They would prefer working 60 hours, just regular pay, mm. instead of working 40 and, not, and, and getting paid overtime because you're not going to get the overtime. Right. For example, there's, there's a lot of businesses in town. You can go to Walmart, McDonald's. They, they don't give you overtime. The law is there, but they don't right. give you. They give you 35, 38 hours. Mm-hmm. And if they get close, they, 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 they send you home. So if if these multi-billion dollar corporations don't pay overtime, why should they expect us to, right? Yeah. Or these farmers, point. yeah. Yeah, what what are the margins in dairy farming? It's very, yeah. very tight, right? Yeah. It's crazy. So do you talk to the guys about that? What are what are what are the workers saying these days about the whole situation? Okay, um so at our dairy, I can't speak for every dairy. Yeah. But here we what we did is we we cut the hours back but only up to the so so they're still making the same amount so Mm -hmm. if in 60 hours they were making two thousand dollars just an example Mm -hmm. they're probably working you know like 53 hours and still making that same so Mm -hmm. so they're still taking that same amount home Mm -hmm. but working less hours that's what we decided to do here because i know there's other places that if someone was making $18, $17 an hour, they're brought back down to minimum to thirteen sixty nine, and then mm. paid overtime on top of that. So if a guy has been working there 10 years, he's making the same amount as someone's first day because right. they brought them all down to the same level. And we, we didn't want to do that here. Yeah. But it's expensive. Too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I suppose you see that now if you're in bookkeeping and stuff. You know it's like things are tight it's not like there's yes. just extra money yeah no to, to change things like that mm-hmm. and like with the milk you can't change the price of that you get mm-hmm. you get paid based off the market it's not like you can just go you know pass it on to the consumer right so you're kind of just against the wall there you can't do anything about that and which like these big companies that you talk about they can do oh that. yeah yeah they can but they don't yeah mm-hmm. they just cut people's out yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think that's a part that a lot of people don't understand about farming. The farmer doesn't get to say how much they get paid mm-hmm. for the food that they're producing. It's crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, almost no other industry or economy like that compared to farming. So what's the future for you? You want to always keep doing this? Or what... what uh, you're going to do any more school or I, I imagine in, in the tech world, you know, there's always more to learn, right? Oh As yeah. Things keep evolving. Mm-hmm. It, it never stops. So yeah. You get continuing education stuff. Probably you have to do it for new software, different things. Mm-hmm. And yep. Do a course to get up to speed on how this thing or that thing works. Yep. Or just adding new software, just new programs. Cause we're always trying to evolve here yeah trying to make everything more efficient so we're we're constantly you know switching programs or adding new new software to help us become more efficient so you never get bored no what do you wish i guess we talked a little bit about this but what do you wish folks like in seattle or other places that are far from farms like this what do you wish they knew what would you like to tell them about how farming actually works and where their food comes from I just wish they knew that it's it's not as simple as it seems. Just, you know, do your research, you know, 
come out to a farm, you know, come down, you know, kind of really learn how, how much work it takes yeah. to get that gallon of milk on your, in your fridge. Or ice cream. Or ice cream or cheese. Yeah. <laughs> or just any, any other fruit or. What's your favorite dairy product? If you had to pick one. Mm, probably ice cream. Ice yeah. cream. Vanilla ice cream. <laughs> Most people say that. When I talked to your colleague, Felipe, last year, he said it was the cheese. The cheese. <laughs> <laughs> he said that because he, uh, he he likes his quesadillas. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> he had to go for the cheese. <laughs> uh, does that make you think about your food differently now when you sit down to oh, a yes. meal? And yeah. Because there may be dairy products in your, what you're eating, but there's other things, too. And each one of those is complicated in its own way. Mm-hmm. Even even in something as simple as a quesadilla, you know, the wheat for the tortilla or, you know. Yeah, the chicken. It, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. It's like that's a whole nother. Oh, yeah. So what what uh, what are your dreams with this? Do you want to stay in the world of farming and keep doing IT stuff? Is mm-hmm. that? Yes, it kind of a good combination for you as long as i'm doing it i'm happy because i i enjoy what i do yeah you know i like coming to work and just just troubleshooting all these issues and figuring out why 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 what caused that and why and how to prevent it it just would it be the same for you if you were doing it at just a factory that made whatever Mm -hmm. widgets would you feel the same way, or or is there something different about it being doing IT to produce food? Uh, it, it is a bit different because you know you're working with live animals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a a product, whatever you call it. It's yeah. you're feeding actual cows; they have to get milked. It's yeah. it's a lot more sense of responsibility and and more importance, I would say. And food safety too. I guess I didn't think about that. Probably mm-hmm. there are so, you know software systems and whatnot that you have to maintain that ensure that those kinds of things too to make sure the food is safe. You know, even just tracking like the temperature of the milk and things mm-hmm. like that in the tanks and yep, uh, drug withdrawals. Yep. Make sure you don't milk any cows that has antibiotics or yep. or so much of beef after you know before the withdrawal date. So, right. Yep. There's because of your systems and other testing, there's no way mm-hmm. that that can get into the milk. Nope, you make sure mm-hmm. that's good. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Uh, it's fascinating to hear how you have all the things that you've gone through to get to where you are now. So, I, I'm sure you should feel proud of yourself, uh, you know, what you've accomplished and the hurdles that you've overcome. To be in this position now, I, I think it's awesome. Good work. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. And and I'm sure I could learn a few things from you on IT, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just give me a call. <laughs> this is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. 